Good morning. Welcome. Father's Day. Today is kind of your day. And so really, really excited that you're here. Excited that you have brought your whole family to church. I think that is wildly important uh, without a doubt. I don't know about you, but when I think of fatherhood, there are a few verses that come to mind. One is Colossians chapter 3, verse 21. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Right? This is kind of one of those rules within a Christian household, right? That we're meant to handle these little ones, these kiddos with care, right? But I, I know for me, this is a constant struggle. This is a, a constant balancing act. And I need to be reminded that I'm not nagging them and ultimately destroying them. But I know I need to hold them accountable. I know that I need to have boundaries. I need to have expectations, all of those things. But it is challenging and it's a balancing act to make sure that they're not discouraged. And so I, I get this, right? Don't provoke your children. Well, what, what should I do? And, and so there's another passage to share with you. It's very similar yet different. Ephesians 6 verse 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Very similar. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So instead of provoking them, we need to bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord, really hoping that we are going to be growing them, right? Helping them to grow in the Lord. Parenting is not easy. But if you're a parent, you already know that, right? You already know this is the case. I've often said that this is the most rewarding yet most challenging aspect to my life is parenting. But the better that we understand and implement this verse, the better that our children are going to understand who Christ is. So this is a really, really big deal to get this. Wrestle with this continually wrestle with this because your children are worth it, right? Train them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. And here's why. Proverbs 22 verse 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it, right? You, you do this in hopes that when they are older, they will not depart from the Lord. This is why we place such a huge emphasis on Redeemer Kids, this is why we need godly, solid volunteers in there pointing these children to the Lord. We as a church want to partner with parents in that process of training these children in the way that they should go. And so that's a, a verse that, that hopefully you memorize. Each of us should be memorizing, looking to those verses and, and finding encouragement. But also in that verse, uh, there should be encouragement to understand that our children are unique. Right? There are going to be similarities in how we parent our kids because of maybe who we are, but we should also see our children as unique masterpieces created one of a kind by the Lord. And so it might look a little bit different how we are to train them up. I know for our boys, uh, they are the best of friends and they are the worst of enemies. It's because they are very similar and yet wildly different all at the same time. Uh, here is a, a picture of my boys. And really quick as we start, there's my wife in the top right. Just a huge shout out to her because without her, I would not be the father that I am. Um, there are multiple times that our boys try to pin one of us against the other, and they very quickly realize it's not me against mom, it's mom and I against you, right? It's a, it's a two on three game in our house. Uh, they, don't, they don't get to pull one of us into their direction, right? They, they learn that very quickly. But I have three boys. This is what the Lord has blessed me with, probably because he knew if I had a girl, she would have me wrapped around her finger. And let's be honest, I cry too much already. Okay, I am prepared. I am prepared. Uh, last time, you remember what I got between services. So there's also some in my pocket. 
I'm very prepared, okay? But uh, talk about Father's Day. John's like, why don't you talk about Father's Day? John, come on, man. Um, anyway, so I have three boys. This is what the Lord had. In the top left, this is my oldest. His name is Jace, and uh, he just turned 13 two days ago. And to be honest, I am wildly proud of him. I'm proud of who he is in the Lord. I am excited to see how he serves the Lord uh, through and through. He's not perfect, uh, but he has a heart to serve others. And at our last church, he was a part of our setup team as a young kid. And even here at Redeemer, he's a part of our setup team. He understands what it looks like to serve. Um, My middle son in the bottom left corner, there you go, middle children, I did not forget. Okay, you are not forgotten. Don't worry. Okay, this is my middle son. Uh, His name is Reese, and yes, he does talk, okay? You guys have seen him, but maybe you've never heard him. He's shy. He gets that from his mom. He doesn't get that from me. Uh, But once you get to know him, he will open up. He will share with you. And if you want to talk sports, he would love to talk any whatever sports with you. But what what I love about him is he has this, this discernment and this wisdom, even at a young age. He's going to be 11 next month, and I, I want to grow in wisdom and discernment in, in very similar ways that he has, right? It blows me away at those gifts the Lord has given him. And then our baby uh, in the bottom right, he just turned nine uh, about a week and a half ago. And if you're doing math and following the story, yes, I have a kid who had a birthday two days ago, a kid that had a birthday a week and a half ago, a kid that has a birthday next month. My wife is a teacher. Okay, so when you're a teacher, you try to do a little bit of math and you try to have babies in the summer, okay? Um, And so, yes, my wife's a teacher. Our boys are all summer birthdays. They don't get to have birthday parties with their school friends because their school friends are no longer in school. And so, sorry, bud, it's it's us as a family. Mom baked a cake. Here we go. But um, our, our baby... Um, if you know him, and, and actually that's it's probably not fair. Chances are you do know him, okay? Here's what I want to do. I want to count to three, and if you know him, if you know his name, I just want you to yell it out, okay? My baby there in the bottom right corner. Okay, here we go, whatever his name is. One, two, three. Cade, Cade there you go. Yep, there's a few of you that know Cade, and that's awkward. Why, why do so many of you know Cade, all right? Because chances are... You've met Cade, you've heard me call Cade, you've heard me call Cade multiple times. Cade is the baby of three boys who has grown up fighting for everything he has. And Cade is the one that will give you a run for your money absolutely every day and again tomorrow. So um, thank you for loving him. And uh, we're working as a family. He's growing as a little kid. He's going to be a fourth grader. Um, But what I love about Cade is he lives life at this incredible pace. But he also loves at that same level, right? And so maybe you have been kicked in the knee, but then you've been hugged by him right after, okay? He, he has a, a genuine love for people. And for me, these relationships, God has used to sharpen me. He's used to teach me. He's used to grow me, right? I want to serve like my oldest son serves. I, I honestly, I want to have the wisdom and the discernment of my middle son. And I want to love people like my youngest loves people. They are wildly different little boys. Now, sometimes on Father's Day, you get the Father's Day message, and it can feel like a beatdown, right? Like all of a sudden, boom, let me come at you. Here it is. And sometimes we need that type of message, but hopefully today there is some encouragement that you find from our message because there is a huge calling on your life. There's a ton of weight with your calling as a, as a father, right, to provide for your family, to love your wife, to strive after the things of the Lord, 
to serve in the church, to be a part of biblical community. The list goes on and on and on. There's a ton of weight in your calling as a dad. And so I hope today you find encouragement and you are lifted up. What we're going to do is we're going to pause from the book of Joshua and look at a passage where there are a few men who are called out and they are called up for who they are in the Lord. And one of them goes by the name of Titus. Now we don't hear a lot about Titus. He does have a, a book in the Bible named after him, but he's not an apostolic heavyweight that we talk about all the time, right? The Peter or Paul or some of these guys, that's not who Titus is. But he does receive a very uh, important commendation from a very important person, and this is none other than Paul, right? Paul had commended him. And so if you think about what it must have took for Paul to commend somebody, that's a big deal, right? Just ask Mark, who was on these missionary journeys with Paul, and he said, you know what? I don't want to continue on this journey with you. Why don't you and Barnabas just go this way, and I'll go that way with Silas, right? So Paul was probably a tough guy to have in your corner, and yet Titus receives this commendation from Paul, and it's a big deal. And so we're going to be in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, verses 16 through 24. And quick context as you're getting to that spot. Uh, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he's going to send them a gift. And alongside this gift, he's going to send these men, including Titus. And so as he does so, he does it with these words in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 16. It says, but thanks be to God who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you on his own accord. With him, we are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. And not only that, but he has been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace that is being ministered by us for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our goodwill. We take this course so that no one should blame us about the generous gift that is being administered by us. For we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. And with them we are sending our brother, whom we have often tested and found earnest in many matters, but who is now more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. And as for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. So give proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you to these men. Right, there are three guys here. There's Titus and there's two other men of whom we do not know. But I don't want to focus on who they were or those things. What I want to focus is this idea of what was said about them. Right, and ask the question, could this be said about us as well? If we were to, to send a gift to another church and we were going to send three people with that gift or we were to send three men from Redeemer with that gift, could this be said about three men in our church? Could these attributes be said about all of the men in our church? And my hope and my prayer is that, yes, they could be. Right? So that's what I want to press in today, answering this question, what does it take to be commendable and dependable in the faith? Right? What does it take to be commendable and dependable in the faith? Let me pray for us, and we will jump into it. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for an opportunity to celebrate Father's Day, celebrate so many incredible dads that you have blessed us with here at the church. God, I ask that my words would not be my words, but they would be your words, that you would open our hearts, you would open our minds, you would stir within us a desire to be commendable 
by you. Jesus, we love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. So, like I said, we don't know two of these guys, and we don't know a ton about Titus. There's a little bit of uncertainty around this man, but we get bits and pieces through Paul's missionary journeys, right? There's a, a book that's named after him as he was the recipient of one of Paul's letters, and this is the book of Titus. There's three chapters into it, so I don't know, maybe go read that today. That could be your Bible reading for the day, but Titus never speaks as far as we know in in the biblical account, but what is cool is sometimes you can uh, learn about people by what they say, or sometimes you can learn about people by what other people say of them, right? And Paul has a lot to say about Titus. In fact, before this passage that we went through, he actually said that he was an encourager and he was a comforter, right? We see that he's someone who's trustworthy, he's trustworthy enough to, to handle and be responsible of the church's finances, which was a huge deal back then, and is a huge deal today as well, right? Paul actually boasted about him, and, and like I said, when you think about how, how hard it must have been for, for Paul to speak highly of someone, all the things that Paul endured, all the things that he went through, right? Every time that he talked about Titus, uh, it was this, this word that comes to mind is commendation, right? And if you are looking in the ESV translation, this passage is actually titled the commendation of Titus. Now this word commendation is actually pretty significant. It's defined as the act of praising or approving of someone or something, an award, recognition, or showing honor towards, right? Not a word that is used lightly, not a word that is tossed around, Right? When you're recognizing someone and you're giving them a, a, a commendation, it's a huge recognition. Think about the, the Congressional Medal of Honor. This is the, the highest military commendation of valor, risking their own lives right, for the lives of others, going above and beyond the call of duty. You have the, the Nobel Peace Prize, right? This is something people receive uh, and they're commendable and so they receive this prize. You have um, sports MVPs. I don't know about you guys. I have a few of those over the years, okay? Um, not really. It's a joke, all right? It's a joke. I have no sports MVPs. I have dreams of sports MVPs. But those don't mean a whole lot. Anyway, in all seriousness, it's a big deal to get a commendation. And, and so that's why it's so significant that Paul shares this. And so what I want to do is just go through these traits four different traits that these men exhibited and, and see if we can emulate them, right? And so uh, first thing, what does it take to be commendable and dependable in the faith? First one is a desire to put in the work. A desire to put in the work. I, I think these traits are going to be important for all the men in our church on Father's Day. I think these traits are going to be important for any of us in the church, whether we're fathers or not. And so a desire to put in the work. Verse 17 states, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you on his own accord. Right here, Paul uses the word earnest to describe Titus. And this word earnest is a a severe or an intense conviction to do the right thing. And Titus demonstrated this on his own accord, right? Nobody told him to do it. Nobody asked him to do it. He had a genuine desire to do it. And Paul had entrusted Titus with many different things. Titus had made many visits to the church in Corinth. Titus had delivered 1 Corinthians, that letter from Paul, 
Titus had delivered 2 Corinthians to them. Titus had ministered to them. Titus had led them. Titus uh, had, had also been entrusted with the oversight of the church's finances. He had a desire to put in the work earnestly and even on his own accord. And so the question is, are you and I willing to put in the work? Are we willing to do this on our own? Right? Think about the work that it takes to, to parent. It's tiring. It's hard. It takes discipline. Right? Don't let that scare you, those of you that are not parents. It is incredible. So continue to step toward what the Lord has for you. But dads, I, I want to I pray that we would remain steadfast in this calling. Right? Because there are going to be moments that you're going to, to need to lead your children. You're going to need to love your children. And you might be the only one doing it on your own accord. You might be the only one that's going to step up and fight for them. Right? There are questions that they have. There are challenges that they're going to face. There are things in life that are going to be hard. There are things in life that are going to be confusing. And they're going to look to you as their dad. And they're going to expect you to stand up and to fight for them right? When maybe they don't have the strength or maybe when nobody's there locking arms with you. Now, obviously my prayer is that we as a church would lock arms together, dads, but even if there's no one next to you, you still have to stand firm in the faith. This is commendable, right? I look around this room and I see so many dads that are doing just this. And as I was going through this and writing this, it it made me think of an Old Testament story in the book of Nehemiah. Right, Nehemiah is tasked with going back to Jerusalem and rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem. And there are some men that want to persecute Nehemiah, and so they send word to call him down off the wall and come meet with them. And Nehemiah's response is incredible. He says, I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. Right, and this needs to be our response as dads. When it comes to raising our families, when it comes to raising your children, you're doing a great work And you can't stop. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to let up. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to cry. That's what I just told myself, okay? So you're doing a great work. Do not come down. Have a desire to put in the work. Okay, the second part comes from verse 18. If we look back to our passage today, with him we are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. What does it take to be commendable and dependable in the faith? A desire to share the good news of the gospel. Do you have a desire to share the good news of the gospel? Do you have a desire to share what the Lord has done in your life? Not a desire to be perfect. Not a desire to to have everything figured out. Do you want people to know Jesus? Right? This man was known by everybody because he had a desire to share the good news of the gospel with anybody. That's what he was known for. I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful for the people that have shared the gospel with me in my life. People all throughout my life. And I would highly recommend them to you because of what they've done in my life and how the gospel has impacted and changed my life. Take, take a moment for a second and just think about those individuals that you've poured into, right? People who have been mentors to you in your faith. Maybe, maybe it is your dad. Maybe it's your, your mom, like John talked about during Mother's Day. Maybe it's been a, a small group leader or a pastor or a coach. Maybe it was a teacher, a brother, a sister, 
a good friend who shared their faith with you? And, and where would we be if there was not a mandate to go and make disciples? Eventually, we would get here and there'd be a whole generation of people behind us that don't have a relationship with the Lord. Now, think about this for a second, dads. Are you commendable because of the way that you have shared the good news of the gospel with your children? Because this is absolutely the most important thing you could ever give them. The most important thing you could ever share with them is the gospel. Share the gospel with them. Live the gospel out each and every day. Think about the friends that, that you have as an adult. And they say, you know, one of my heroes in the faith is my dad. One of my heroes in the faith is my mom. My parents were crucial in who I am as a follower of Jesus today. Right? I pray that that is said about all of us by our children one day. But if we continue in our passage with this idea of uh, this commendation that Paul has given these men, if we go to verse 21, we see a, a third aspect to this. Verse 21 says, For we aim at what is honorable, not only in the, si- in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. Not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. And so the third thing that it takes to be commendable and dependable in the faith is a desire to live your life above reproach. Honorable in the Lord's sight, as well as the sight of man. Right? Part of receiving a commendation or being commendable means that you are of high character. Doing the right and honorable thing, the right and honorable way, regardless of who your audience is. Regardless of if you have an audience or not, you're still going to do the right and honorable thing, the right and honorable way. Not trying to make much of yourselves, but hopefully trying to make much of the Lord. Right? This is when the Lord is going to be working in and through you in such incredible ways. And this is a characteristic that hopefully we all want set of us, right? That we've lived our lives above reproach. Now, here's the kicker. Living your life above reproach is this idea of living in such a way that cannot be criticized, right? Honoring the Lord, honoring the men. You can't criticize this. I've lived my life above reproach. And we know that this idea of of being of high character and, and letting people see our good works now justification before the Lord has nothing to do with our good works, right? There's nothing we could do to, to earn our salvation. We can't work our way into heaven. Ephesians 2 says this, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast, right? What we do or don't do other than accepting Christ as our Lord and Savior doesn't change our standing before God. However, it doesn't give us a free pass to just not do anything in the kingdom, right? It's actually when we come to grips with this and we press into this idea that we're able to recognize the amazing grace that's been poured out on us, right? The, the Bible tells us to walk in a manner that it's worthy of the calling by which you've been called, right? In Hebrews, we're called to stir one another up for works and good deeds, Jesus tells us to let our light shine before man that they might see our good deeds and glorify our Father who's in heaven. And James says it this way in verse 2, or sorry, chapter 2, verse 18. You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. 
what we do with what we've been given is really important. It's a big deal. Think about what you've been given and ask yourself the question, what am I doing with this? And am I doing this in such a way that honors the Lord? In such a way that you are not able to criticize how it's done, that I'm living my life above reproach. I, I live my life above reproach at my job. Maybe you say, I live my life above reproach within my marriage, how I serve within a ministry, how I strive to meet the needs of, of others, right? Trying to be obedient with whatever the Lord has placed on my heart. And, and fathers, we absolutely have been called to be good stewards over the children that the Lord has entrusted to us, right? Absolutely, trying to live our lives in such a way that's honoring to him, live our lives in, in such a way that would be labeled above reproach, right? I don't want to get to the end of my life, and hopefully you don't want to either with a bunch of woulda, shoulda, couldas, right? I should have done this. I, I wish I would have done that. I could have done this, right? Because ideally there's a commendation that is coming at the end of our lives from the Lord, because of the sacrificial work of Christ on the cross, we get to stand before the Lord one day and hopefully, because we've given our life to Jesus, hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Right? That's a commendation that you want to hear as an individual. That's a commendation that lasts for eternity, right? Live your life for the glory of God. Live your life for the glory of God holy. Live your life above reproach. And I get it. You might be sitting here thinking like, this sounds great. I did it before. I've tried it. It's actually pretty hard, this whole Jesus thing. I jumped in two feet and sure enough, things got hard. Things got challenging. I'm pretty sure it was, it was hard and challenging for Titus as well, right? And these men to live in this time. You probably didn't have to go very far before you knew someone who had been martyred for their faith. Or you probably didn't have to go very far before you knew someone who had been imprisoned for their faith. Right? And chances are, maybe it's not those things, but there are a lot of different challenges that we face as well. A lot of different hard things. Right? Verse, verse 22 speaks of this idea. Right? And, and I get it can, be, it can be hard to step back into trusting. It can be hard to step back into being vulnerable when challenges and trials uh, come at us. But listen to what verse 22 says. And with them we are sending our brother whom we have often tested and found earnest in many matters, but who is now more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you. And so the last thing, and you might be thinking, oh, wow, we're done early. We're not going to be done early. It's just your last fill in the blank, okay? This is a big one. This is a big one. We're going to be here for a minute. But what does it take to be commendable and dependable in the faith? The final thing we see from this passage is a desire to persevere through testing. A desire to persevere through testing. This is a big deal in his day and time, and it's a big deal in ours. And so if you think back to 1 Peter, what we studied just a couple months ago, for a few months, this came up often, this idea of testing, right? And, and actually the fact that that's who we're called to be, a mark of a true believer is someone who suffers well, someone who can rejoice in the suffering that we face, and it shouldn't be shocking to you. Think about the hard times in your life, the low moments in your life. Oftentimes, this has been the time where you've, you've grown the most, right? 
I, uh, I heard it this way before. Um, I think there's a slide, but you don't really know Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have, right? That's a quote. That's not from me. I don't remember where it's from, but you don't really know Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. What I want to do is I want to share a picture with you or a couple pictures, and um, as I do it, it, it's done with vulnerability. It's done with uh, a lot of fun. These pictures are a lot of fun. These pictures have a lot of laughter and excitement, but these pictures also come with a lot of hard, right? A lot of hard things over the years. And as I, I share them, I don't expect you to process it all in a matter of a, a couple of minutes. But uh, these pictures, this is a picture of what fatherhood has looked like in my life. Okay, fatherhood in my life. In, in the top left, uh, this is my dad. And many of you have met him over the years up here with the, the axes and that really good looking guy next to him in the orange shirt. Um, it's a joke. Okay. You guys are like, he's not good looking. I don't know what you're saying. Anyway, uh, that's my dad. And you've met him over the years as he comes to visit. Maybe many of you met him even the past two weeks. He was here helping to take care of our boys as my wife and I were in Vermont at a wedding. And uh, this, this is my dad. I love my dad. Some of you might not know, my parents were married for three years before I was born. And then when I was six, they got divorced. And so I come from a broken home. And um, my dad, after the divorce, he moved back to Washington where he was from. And my mom's career in the Air Force took us to Texas. And so that was kind of me at the age of six years old. And if you follow uh, the pictures, we'll go to the bottom left. Follow the story to me at 12 years old. And no, that's not a picture of me at 12 years old. Okay, the storyline is me at 12 years old. 12-year-old me is like me right now, but no glasses and more hair. Okay, that's me at 12. So 12 years old, my mom gets remarried. And uh, this is my stepdad. And my stepdad, he was my day-to-day -day dad growing up. And uh, this is the one who would play catch with me. He's the guy that would go to my, my sports games. He's the guy that I would play basketball in the driveway with each and every day. And I didn't beat him until I was like a senior in high school. So if you beat your dad before you were a senior in high school, chances are you were really good at basketball or chances are your dad just wasn't that good at basketball, okay? Uh, my stepdad was really good at basketball. And so this was my day-to-day -day dad. These are the two guys that, that raised me. And although my dad lived in Washington, um, he was very intentional. And I got to spend summers with him. I got to spend every other Christmas with him, not to mention every week he would, he would call. And so super grateful for these two men in my life. Well, if we move to the picture in the top right, this is my father-in-law. I met him on my 20th birthday. And um, here's the deal. My, my girlfriend at the time wanted me to meet her dad. It's a pretty big deal. And so it's my birthday. We go to meet her dad. He had no idea it was my birthday. Now, that's not his fault. I think that's her fault. She probably should have told him it's my birthday. But um, anyway, meet him when I am 20. And he didn't, he didn't know it was my birthday. What he also didn't know is that three months later, I would ask him if I could marry his daughter. Right? None of us knew that at the time, but three months later, I asked him if I could marry his daughter, and I'll never forget his response. The first thing he said, he paused for a second, and he said, do you even have a car? That's what he asked, okay? True story. <laughs> do you have a car? Uh, he was here this weekend, and we were joking about this. And uh, no, he didn't even know I had a car. He didn't know that I had her heart. He didn't know I already had a ring at that point, right? He was just clueless in that moment. But um, yeah, he said yes to some punk little 20-year-old that wanted to uh, marry his daughter. 
And then lastly, in the bottom right, this picture, now you might be thinking this is Brittany's stepdad, but you would be wrong, right? This picture could actually have five dads in it now that I'm thinking about it, but Brittany's mom never got remarried. And so this is not Brittany's stepdad. Uh, this picture goes to me at 24 years old in my life, right? Six, 12, 20, 24. These are my father figures. Anyway, this is my biological father that I did not know about until I was 24 years old, married with a, ki- with a kid. I was going to say kid and child, and it comes out weird, okay? With a kid. That's when I found out that this is actually my biological father. And, and his entry into my life was incredibly challenging. It was a very challenging moment, not because of him, but because of this situation, But this is also the moment or a specific moment where the Lord solidified the truth that I am a child of God, right? And as challenging as this season has been, it's brought true identity in the Lord. And like I said, I don't expect you to to process all of that in the matter of a couple minutes. It's taken me 36 years to process. Because I I share these stories, Uh, my wife and I talked this week, there's actually a lot of hard that we've gone through. But as I look at these pictures, I actually see a lot of God in this story, right? There's a lot of moments of God. God's been at work in and through all of it from day one. God's been at work in and through them over the years. Right? My, my dad was not a follower of Jesus. And then when I was 30 years old, he gave his life to Jesus. And I got to baptize him in the river, just like we're going to celebrate at the end of next month. It was incredible. This thing I'd prayed about for years. My dad steps toward Jesus. I get to be the one to baptize him? That's crazy. Right? You look at the the picture in the, the bottom left of my stepdad. He was the constant growing up. Right? Hey, get your Bible. Get dressed. We're going to church. We're going to church. Wake up. I don't care that you sit up late. Wake up. We're going to church. Get to church. You should be serving in the church. Did you go to youth ministry? Right? He was the constant driving our family to church growing up. My, my father-in-law, every single time that he speaks about my wife, it's just this incredible amount of pride. And he never stops there. Every single time he speaks about his daughter, he then goes, and you too, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of what the Lord has done in and through you guys, in and through your life. And every time he prays, every time he prays, there's this reminder of his dependence upon the Lord, right? And it's something that's been a huge reminder to me in my prayer life that I need to be dependent upon the Lord. And even my biological father. See, growing up, my, my parents were not believers. And so it was not commonplace in our house to, to pray or to pray over our children or anything. And so I just assumed my parents, I was never prayed for as a kid. And when I met him, he said something to me that just jumped out. It was profound. He said, I've prayed for you your whole life. Your whole life. I just assumed that was something that wasn't done. And God's like, nope, I got this taken care of right over here. This guy's going to be praying for you for 24 years, and then you can meet him. Right? And so each of these men have influenced me in my life. And although the relationships have, have changed and there's ebbs and flows and all kinds of things... I'm blessed to see God's grace. I'm blessed to see God's provision, right? Somebody at the the end of first service said, you could be in the Bible. (laughs) I was like, okay, thanks. It's encouraging. 
we could all, right? Hopefully every single one of us, I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what it has looked like for you, this whole idea of fatherhood, right? Maybe, maybe you have a similar story to fatherhood like I do. Maybe it's a different story. Maybe you've had a, a phenomenal dad, a great dad. Maybe your dad's passed away. Maybe this is the first Father's Day that you get to experience without him, right? But I hope that you see the Lord at work in my story as well as in your story. I hope you see that our Heavenly Father has loved us more than we could ever imagine, right? And regardless of the testing, ideally it's going to bring understanding and this earnest confidence in the Lord. Think about the ways that the Lord loves us. 1 John chapter 3 says this, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What I want to do is I want to I share three passages with you that hopefully encourage you this morning, right? Three passages to write down, three passages to maybe even begin to memorize. The first one's this. James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Right? My prayer is that each one of us remains steadfast under trials because they will come. They absolutely will come. You're either in a storm right now, you just came out of a storm, or you're getting ready to head into a storm. That's not me being a Debbie Downer. That's, that's life, right? The trials will come. Remain steadfast in the Lord. Second passage is 1 Peter chapter 4. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Right? Don't be surprised at the trials in life, but rather rejoice because this is an opportunity to honor the Lord, an opportunity to glorify the Lord, an opportunity to press into your relationship with the Lord. And lastly, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Right? Oftentimes our, our perspective, our viewpoint is so limited. It's so finite. But God is preparing you. God is preparing me. God is preparing everyone who would call upon his name for an eternal weight of glory, an eternal commendation, which is something that we can't see right now. And so I would, I would challenge all of us to say, I, I know that this is tough, Following Christ is not for the faint of heart, but Lord, I trust you. No matter what it is, I want you to be my rock. I'm going to look to you as my fortress, my deliverer. Right? Titus and these men were tested and they were found true. And I want that to be the prayer for us as well. That as life comes, as we are tested, we are found true in the Lord. And I love the way Paul ends this moment of commending these men before the church. He says in verse 23, says, As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. And as for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. See, Paul was continually reaching back and pouring in to different people. And Titus 
was, was one of the many benefactors to this. Did you see what he said about Titus? He said, as for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. Right? This is not my apprentice. Titus had become a, a mature believer and a, a spiritual adult. And Paul was a huge part to this process. Right? And, and hopefully this is said of us, that we are partners with one another. We are brothers with one another. That we're spurring one another on. We're holding one another accountable in our faith and even in fatherhood this morning. But I love, I love that Paul reaches back into the next generation. Right? Some of you sitting in here, maybe you'd like, you know what? This is, a, this is a good message for fathers, but I'm kind of out of that phase of life. I'm a grandfather now. And uh, so now I'm just going to kind of coast. It's going to be good. And I want to encourage you that that's not the case. That's not what God has for you. What if this is a season that you press into your family, you press into discipling them even more than you did in the last season? There are so many grandfathers that I know that are better disciplers today than they ever were as fathers. Right? You have wisdom. You have experience. You have different gifts that the Lord has given you that are still so robust, still so strong. And there's a generation of your grandchildren that so desperately need to be poured into. Right? Your work isn't done. Maybe your work is just getting started. These last pictures I want to share with you, I absolutely love them. Right? These are pictures of, of my dads with my sons over the years. Pouring into them. Right? In the bottom right, that's my biological father. They came to visit my family and brought with him two of his adopted kids and just got into my boy's world. What do you like? What are you into? Let's spend time together. Right? Top right, that's my, my father-in-law who said, let's go camping. Let's go all the way to Glacier up in Montana. Let's, let's take all three of those crazy boys and let's go camping. Right? That picture's in Stanley. Don't worry, all of you. Like, hey, that's not. That's this. That's cold water. Yes, it's in Stanley. That's where the picture is. Okay? Yeah, the bottom left, that's my stepdad going on hikes with my boys, teaching about nature, having fun, throwing rocks, sharing stories. Right? And then my dad up in the top left who says, hey, here's what I do. You want to come try to pull this giant fire hose that weighs more than all three of you combined? Go ahead and try. Right? Pouring into the next generation. As we close, what I want to do is I want to share one verse with you. One verse that hopefully is encouraging. One verse that hopefully spurs you on today during Father's Day. It's 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13 and 14. It says, be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all you do be done in love. See, God is calling us to act like men. Watchful strong, loving, firm in the faith. That is a man. I want to take a, take a minute and just ask you a question. Nothing crazy, nothing profound, just direct. Where are you at right now? Where are you at when it comes to this verse? Chances are you're one of three places, right? You're either headed toward Christ, you're, you're headed away from Christ, or you're not headed anywhere. You're just sitting there. You're not going anywhere. And my fear is that there are too many of us that fall into that third camp, that we're just, we're just going through the motions. And hopefully this morning is a little bit of a wake-up call to say that can't be what we are doing, right? The, the devil is lulling so many of us to sleep, and he does this through, 
through shame and guilt and failure. There's so many dads that feel like a failure. You're not a failure. You're focusing on the wrong things. Right? When we, when we feel like we're a failure, chances are we, we end up heading to one of two places. One is either withdrawal, right, or, or one is a, aggression, right? This withdrawal where all of a sudden we have this apathetic response. I don't really care. It's not even a big deal anyway. Or if we go toward uh, aggression, all of a sudden my, my wife and my kids are the, the bearer of all of these things, this volcano of emotion that blows up. Right? And really it's all rooted in these, these deep-rooted idols of comfort and significance and control. Right? And when we, when we step into those idols, that's not going to bring about the life that God desires for us. And so we just forfeit. And I want to encourage you today, don't forfeit in this whole thing of parenting. Don't forfeit in fatherhood. Right? This verse says to stand firm in the faith. Be strong. Right, when we think of strength, we're like, okay, well, I'm going to do it. I'm going to muster up the energy. I'm strong enough. I can handle it. I can do it. And that's not what this verse is saying. This verse is saying, bend your knee and bow your head to his strength. You can't do it in your own strength. Right? But the Lord's power is made perfect in our weakness. Right? That's where we're meant to find our strength is in him. His power is made perfect in our weakness. Right? What if we went and pressed into biblical manhood that that verse is talking about? What would it look like in our lives? Right? What if I told you it's okay to be on fire for Jesus, even if the world isn't? What if it's okay to be on fire for Jesus? What if I told you it's okay to pray out loud? It's okay to raise your hands during worship. It's okay to show emotion. It's okay to repent and say I'm sorry. It's okay to say that my wife and my children are the most important. It's okay to passionately fall in love with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what a man looks like. And it's okay to step toward those things. That's honoring to the Lord. Some of us, we don't, we don't need to be changed this morning. We don't need band-aids. We don't need 10 steps to a better you. What we need to do is recommit our lives and our hearts to the Lord. Right? And say, you could do whatever you want with my life. You could do whatever you want in my parenting. You can do whatever you want in my marriage, Lord. I want to remember that I'm yours. My identity is found in you. My strength comes from you. I want to be a father that is an example of you as a heavenly father. That's what I want my kids to see. That's what I want my kids to know. Right? Maybe this Father's Day we need to turn our hearts back to our heavenly father. The men in this passage today, they were, they were commendable. They were dependable in the faith. It's because they had a desire to put in the work, a desire to share the good news of the gospel, a desire to live their lives above reproach, and a desire to persevere through the testing that was to come. And Paul said this, As for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. Right? We too are messengers, the glory of Christ. You've received a commendation from the Lord in order to be commissioned by the Lord. Right? You and I have been set into fatherhood for a specific purpose, a specific mission, namely pointing our children back to the Lord, 
This is what is most important. This is what you need to know. This is what you need to be about. Your past up until this moment does not define you. What defines you is who you are in Christ, whose you are. And so what I want to do is I want to encourage you to step into your commendation in Christ this morning. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for just an opportunity to go through this passage, an opportunity to to look at why these men were commendable, how these men were dependable in the faith. God, I ask that would be said of us as well. Each father in here, each husband in here, each individual in here, each follower of yours, that we would have a desire to put in the work even if no one is next to us. God, that we would live our lives above reproach everywhere we go, honoring you, bringing glory to you. God, that we would long to share the good news of the gospel. Not that we have everything figured out, not that we're going to be perfect, but we want people to hear about you. We want people to know you. And God, as suffering comes, I ask that you would give us the strength to persevere through. God, as our desire is to hear your commendation, well done, good and faithful servant. God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you so much for how great you are what you've done in our lives, what we've been able to see you do in and through so many people in this room. You are worthy of being praised. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.